Another episode of In The Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino here with Anthony Pinello, Chris Martelli. Guys, let's start off on the ice because uh, last night our favorite team, the Boston Bruins, going to another round. Damn it. Again. They overcome the odds. Columbus was playing amazing last night, getting all these shots on Tuka Rask, who was bailing them out, and they end up with a 3 nothing win. What are your thoughts on uh, Columbus's run in this playoffs, and where do you think they go next year? I think they do... Uh Something similar. They'll be like in the middle of the pack. They'll be one of those teams and, you know, they'll make some damage again. They still have a really good team. I'm hoping they can sign most of their players because it's really depressing for if, you know, what they did this year and then like Panarin and Duchesne and Dezingo and all these guys walk. It's kind of shitty for their organization. So I, I hope they can repeat what they did. It is a business. So, again... It would be a shame if they all leave, but you have to anticipate that because they are pretty good players. All four of the like the the two pieces that he got, he got Matthew Shane and he got Ryan Dezingle. Those were pretty solid players. I was very I was very upset that Dezingle never really clicked with Columbus because when he was on his way out of Ottawa, I was saying to Pinello, I'm like, this guy, he's got 20 goals this year. He's a pretty fine NHL player and. I got to give credit to uh, their GM. I'm not going to say his name because it's a nightmare. But uh, what he did this year, he knew that there was a certain time frame for this franchise to kind of go all in. I mean, he still has a lot of young core and there still is bright. There's a bright future for this club. But he sees guys like uh, Atkinson. He's now like 28. He's getting 30 goals a year. He grabbed Matt Duchesne. He has wingers like Nick Foligno who are not getting any younger. He has Brandon Dubinsky who, again, he's kind of on his way out in the NHL. He's he's still got that that primitive role that he's been known for, but he's getting slower and the league's getting quicker. He capitalized on that Panarin for sod trade for sure. He got the best out of Panarin for that, and I applaud him for that. But, again, I'm hearing Panarin wants 10.5 mil. I don't think they can afford him. Um it was a good run, I think, for Panarin with Columbus. And, you know, you got to give the GM credit. He gave Columbus their first ever franchise playoff win against Tampa Bay. So you got to give Columbus credit. I know that they did lose to Boston. But, again, with this playoff format, it's tough, man. You face Tampa Bay, you beat them, and then you got to face the second-best team in Boston. So, I mean, it would have been a great story, but they unfortunately came up short. But, man, this Boston team is good. Yeah, they even swept Tampa Bay. The yeah. President's Trophy winners who set all these records, they sweep them. So I don't think you can fire John Tortorella. No. Like, he was hard on himself at the end, like in the post game. He was saying, you know, if you're not first, you're last. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean anything. And I think he's, I don't know, he's too hard on himself. I think what they did this year was amazing, coming in as a wild card and the team they have. I think Bobrovsky, he's going to look to Florida, him and Panarin. Uh, they just have to maybe move around some guys, but I think they can afford both of them if they move guys around that, like Dubinsky, his contract, and it's possible, but it's going to come down to ownership at the end of the day. I think when you look at the four core guys that drove this team, like when you talk about Dezingle, Duchesne, all those guys, I've heard rumors that Dezingle and uh, Duchesne are open to going back to Ottawa. But again, I don't know. I don't know what Dezingle's asking price is because he looks like a player that could ask around four mil. But at the same time, when he's putting up twenty goals and he's being a consistent top six on Ottawa for I'd say two years now, you could even argue give him like five and a half. Like I don't really know what his asking price is, but 
the caps get the caps going up every year and players are just asking for more but I've heard rumors Panarin going to the Rangers for at least a year now. And Bobrovsky, to me, going to Florida is basically a foregone conclusion, I believe, because they have no goalies. And Luongo's getting older. Reimer is not consistent enough. And that that goalie that played a bit this year, the French guy, Montembeau, or he, Samuel, he was, <laughs> he was their backup for a bit, and he's like 23 years old. So just give him a bit of time. But I think Bobrovsky's going to sign there, and I think uh, Columbus – I love them. They still, like I said, bright future. They have Orensky, Jones, Dubois, but um, I don't think they're going to um, be anywhere next year. If Florida <laughs> were to get that package deal of Bob and Panarin, what does that do for their team? Because they already have a sick core, in my opinion. I think a cup contender. They have to. Who, be. Florida? Can yeah. they do Absolute, it, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Can absolutely. they do it, potentially what Columbus did this year? Uh I wouldn't even see why they'd have to add pieces. What do you mean? Like like at the deadline, they'd have to add people too? No, just in the, if they get Bob and Panarin on top of the team they already have, can they like squeak into the playoffs? Or not squeak in, but just make the playoffs and then, you know, maybe knock out a top, like a the top biggest, two, The biggest question mark with Florida is the division they're in. Yeah. That's the biggest <laughs> question mark. Yeah, because Boston, Toronto. Because if, if Florida jumps, let's say, Toronto next year or Boston – then, like, I have no idea, man. I don't know what could happen because if the Leafs are in a wild card spot, I don't see why we can't beat Tampa Bay. I think I'd prefer that given yeah. how things have been going. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to face – I know a lot of people are saying the Leafs have to beat the Bruins, kind of like how Ovi beat the Pens. But if we if we could avoid the Bruins, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind to beat But, yeah, no uh, – Florida, they're amazing, though, already. They have Barkov, who just put up quietly 90 points. Same with Huberdo. And you have a solid prospect in Henrik Borgstrom. No one really talks about him enough. And Owen Tippett as well. Is a, he looks like he could be a great 30-goal scorer in this league. And I f- completely forgot to tell you guys, there's this guy named Vincent Trocek. He's pretty good, too. They got Hoffman and Dadnoff. Oh, no, yeah, Dadnoff's a good they one. They got some gamers there. So what do you do? Like, they're, I think their contract situation, Ekblad, like, do you think he's worth that amount of money? Because a lot of people uh, say, like, maybe they overpaid for him right away and they should have given him, like, a bridge deal. What, what did he, he's making seven mil? Coming off his entry level. Yeah. And it was, what, eight years? Like, a long term? Uh, yeah, I think that. I think that's a safe bet right now because he didn't his offensive game was not polished at all when he signed that contract. You know what I mean? Like his first season was good, he had 40 points. But after that it like I'm not saying he had his bad he does have bad puck luck, but man, like the last 2 years he's put up like 30 points. Like he gets double digit goals every year, which is rare for D, but like other than that he's not putting up a lot of assists. He doesn't know how to carry the puck out of his own zone like consistently. So him getting seven mil here, and I honestly thought he was he was the captain a hundred percent. I didn't even think of Barkov being captain, so I think they have a great leader in Ekblad for the next six seven years. So I think that's a good contract. I don't think I don't think they overpaid for him. I think if he got like forty five or fifty five, I think he would have wanted like nine and a half mil. Like he would have went all out because he is a first overall pick too. I actually love Aaron Ekblad. That's the kind of guy I want on the Leafs. Yeah, and I think that would solidify our top four. But like. Seven maybe it was a bit much right away, but you look at the the body of work he always puts in. I don't think he was ever going to be a guy that's going to put up you know fifty, sixty points. But you know he plays half the game, he blocks shots, he has scored double digit goals every year. Which, yeah, like you said, not a lot of D do. 
I love that quad so much. The kid's only, what, 23, 24? 23, I think. Yeah, you know, guy. There's still lots of room to improve there. Uh, another, another big question mark with Florida is what happens to their top six and what happens to their chemistry when a guy like Panarin strolls in? Because we've seen with Panarin, he's come into teams and he's kind of destroyed the top lineup. Like I remember when he went to um, – he went to Chicago the first season, and this was coming off Patrick Sharp's 38-goal year. That flat-out ruined his output for the rest of his career, Panarin going there. So if Panarin goes to Florida, I can maybe see a guy like a Dadanov or like, I don't know, like a Hoffman kind of taking a back seat in like offensive production. But again, if the, if the chemistry is there and it's clicking, then Florida, they're going to be dangerous if Panarin goes there. Dangerous. Don't, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Barkov hits 100 points. If Panarin oh, goes beast. there, he's unreal. One of the best. I think he's a top ten center in the league. Barkov. He's in the Selkie combo for the last three years now, and when he's our age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But uh, now we got some game sevens to talk about. Uh, the Sharks and Avs last night played a good back and forth game, and now they're going to go seven. Do you think Colorado can pull off another upset here? I mean, wow. Yesterday, I was saying to my dad, they had to win yesterday, Colorado, and they did. Landis Cog in overtime was a boulder. He was going everywhere, hitting everyone. Um, I remember the play exactly. He decks Eric Carlson in the corner, cycles the puck out. Uh, I think he passed it back to Rantanen or whoever. No, he passed it to the point to Makar. Makar took the shot, and Landis Cog got the rebound, and it went in, and that was it. It was just a great... It was a great hockey play from a great hockey player and a young, promising defenseman in Makar. You know, that IQ, just getting it to the net. And again, I've been saying this since the first round. Martin Jones is not the goalie for the Sharks, I think. Game 7, if Colorado, right out the gate, McKinnon is flying and they could score first. They could stun Jones. I think Colorado has it in the bag. But I'm not going to lie. I think the best player this whole postseason, other than probably Bobrovsky, has been Logan Couture. This guy has been a freak. He got a hat-trick in Game 3 or Game 4. He's been carrying this team completely ever since Pavelski got injured. And I love Joe Thornton, not the player he was. It's kind of rubbing off on Logan. So, like, to me, if the Sharks win this and they go to the, the Stanley Cup Final, this guy, to me, is a shoe-in to win the Conn Smythe. But you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, st- I'll still stick with the Sharks winning. They have home ice. I think that's a huge deal for them. It's not exactly new for Couture either. He put up, what, 25 points? He put 30, I think. The year they went to the finals. Yeah. So I got to say for the Sharks, I'm pretty impressed with how they sh- they uh, shut down the top line. of Like, they're going to get their points, McKinnon, Ranton, and Linus Cog, but relatively, you know, they're, they're kind of quiet compared to what they've been doing in the Flame series. Oh, yeah. But I don't see why Colorado can't win this game. I mean, they've gone this far. They, they're taking it to a team that... That's been there plenty of times before, plenty of experience. So I'm going to hop on the bandwagon here. I said Sharks in six to start. Let's go Avs in seven. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. I, I, I just, I, I think like if the Sharks don't win now, it's, it's, it's literally now or never. And I've been saying that for like six years now with them. Yeah. <laughs> like you either win now or you don't win. You face the Kings, you knock them off, you win now or you don't win. Like, oh, wow, you finally knocked off – there, you knocked off Vegas. You win now or you don't win. You're taking on a wild-card Colorado team. Their defensive end, I love them, but they're all very young. And 
like Grubauer too. I never expected him to be like this, like this good. So <laughs> Martin Jones has to step up in game seven. And for Joe Thornton's sake, the Sharks need to win this game. <laughs> they need it. I feel so bad for Joe Thornton. It's just, it's just been so long of the same thing. You put up 100 points every year and then first, second round, see ya. Yeah. That's first it. round and that's it. One and done. <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm still, I still think the Sharks are going to win, but like again, if Colorado wins, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, and so moving on now, another game, St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I like, I think they were, were going to take it out. And uh, the last round, they were coming off that good momentum. And then this round, they've been up and down with Dallas. Do you think Dallas takes a game based on last game? If there's one team that uh, has proved me wrong, it's been Dallas. I said, I remember we, were, we talked about earlier predictions with Nashville. I said Nashville would win, I think, in six or five. I didn't even really discuss the series either. I didn't really give Dallas a chance. But, yeah, I mean, I love seeing Jamie Benn play. I mean, one of my favorite players. He had a pretty bad uh, regular season. But this guy's been a gamer. We all know he's a gamer. Um, he's come in this series, and he's absolutely dominated. And I'm not going to lie, Tyler Sagan has actually done a great job with Ryan O'Reilly's uh, assignment. Ryan O'Reilly has tried to shut down that line, and um, they've been doing misma- uh, mismatches with uh, Rupe Hints, too. And that guy, I don't really know a lot about him, but he's been, uh, I think he has like seven playoff goals for them. So he's been doing his job, and you got to the, – the the scariest thing for Dallas is Ben Bishop got injured in game six and he's playing apparently game seven, but apparently he's not 100%. So it's very risky, but you got to do what you got to do if you want to win. And um, Ben Bishop has been one of the best goalies this season. So I think for the Blues, I look at them the way you look at the Sharks. Like they have to win this game because I've had them in that spot the last five, six years as well. And every year they go out. And then, you know, they get O'Reilly and they get Shen and they get new guys every year to try to boost their team. But they never can seem to get over the hump with a team like Dallas, much like San Jose and Colorado. Wouldn't you think that this is the year they have to go all the way? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I again, like you're even looking at when St. Louis went to the like when they made the playoffs, they always got screwed over. They had to face Chicago. They had to face was it always Chicago? I'm pretty yeah. sure it was always it was Chicago. Like it was Every time. year it was yeah. them or was Nashville like or something like that. So, yeah, same with the Sharks. Like the Sharks would always come in the playoffs and they would finish like a third seed and they'd face the six-seeded Kings and like they'd always face each other. And so finally, like, yeah, like perfect. You worded it perfectly. Like the Blues, they don't have a kryptonite team right now that's left. I think this is the chance where the Blues need to win. They have O'Reilly now. They got Braden Shen. Bennington came out of nowhere. They they're knocking on wood for that because Jake Allen, to me, resembles a Martin Jones exactly. They're both inconsistent, but um, yeah, I, I mean, if the Sharks and the Blues go to the conference finals, I'm happy for both teams because they've been they've never been able to reach that spot before. But I would not be surprised if it's Colorado and Dallas. But again, like looking at this guy, I would never say to him that Colorado Dallas would be a conference final in this in this league like I never thought that would happen because they're too offensive like they're not defensive enough both wild card team yeah. I don't know if that's is that a first <laughs> oh Jersey I mean, and the Kings remember that was that six and eight yeah yeah before they changed the format yeah it was six and eight <laughs> six and eight but that wasn't the Devils weren't a wild card though but they they weren't that good they were not good they were not Stanley Cup final 
But again, yeah, going back to this series, it's it's up to it's basically Bennington versus Bishop. Whoever comes out game seven, that's the winner. Um, I do uh, if I have to make like an early prediction, and we do get like the Blues and the and the Sharks. I really like the Blues chances against the Sharks because I think Bennington is just way better than Jones right now. I think there it's like a completely different ball game with that, but. Again, like if I'm going the flip side and I'm taking Colorado Dallas, I have no idea who's winning that. I, like they're all, probably going to be high scoring. Grubauer, I love him, but how long can he go with this yeah. wonder, wonderful, you know, postseason? Like he's no Jonathan Quick, he's no Vesna winner. So at least not yet. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Maybe this is Grubauer uh, just starting things off. If it's the regular season. I know Colorado owns Dallas. Okay. That's all I know between yeah. those two teams because I don't think anyone, any hockey fan would have predicted this. No. <laughs> I wouldn't even predict them coming out of the first round. Never. <laughs> How about Boston, Carolina, man? Like, who wins that? I feel, I like, it's a cake, I feel like it's a cakewalk. Yeah. I, I love Carolina. I said I'd buy the jersey, but I think Boston's going to wipe the floor with them. See, that's the initial reaction, but, like, <laughs> like all the wild card teams are still in. It just that still blows my mind. And you know, Carolina they beat the Stanley Cup champions and they murdered the Islanders. Murdered them. Yeah. <laughs> it was not even. <laughs> what was game four? Five one. Yeah. Nothing was. No games were close. No. The one OT. They like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I probably want to say Boston. They, like the fact that they were a top five team in the league and they, they still get overlooked somehow everyone's on the carolina bandwagon i'm one of them but like i'm just <laughs> after watching this series with columbus i'm just looking at it, i'm like yeah the brew if rask is playing like this like you're going up against a mccallany or a mrazic like uh, i think i think boston has it but i don't want to i don't want to just you know leave carolina out to dry i think i think they have a good shot here but but if it goes to Game Seven, you know what's happening. Yeah, TD Garden, it's Boston's to win. So uh, Justin Williams will come in with his cape with the seven <laughs> on it, and it's maybe magic over. will happen. It's funny. My brother said um, last time they won the cup, Justin Williams was playing, yeah. and so was Rod Brindamore. Yeah. And now Brindamore's the coach, and Williams is still there. So what are the odds of that? That Brindamore was captain, Williams was just there. Now Williams is captain and Brindamore is the coach. And they had a stall, but it was Eric. And now now it's Jordan. Jordan. What are the odds of that, man? That's crazy. That's not. I think they have to win now. I think they have to. That's why I'm on. I'm going for Carolina, man, to win it all. What if they win the cup? Like, just imagine the reaction. If they go to play like San Jose or oh. like a stack team like that and they sweep them in the final. <laughs> like, Joel Thornton has to probably retire. He's going to hate his life. And <laughs> he's gonna eat his Justin life. Williams is going to be holding up another cup. I think if I was Williams, I'd retire after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then Florida takes their spot next year in the playoffs. Don Cherry will probably have a stroke on TV. Like, we're, like, what does the NHL I don't, do? I don't, I don't even understand the whole jerk thing with Don Cherry. Yeah. Like, just relax, man. They're just having fun. They win games and they celebrate. That's literally it. And they, he, he <laughs> That's literally all. all they do. <laughs> he mocked all the fans after. He's like, oh, it's just to entertain the fans. And then he mocked that. Like, yeah. like we're not supposed to entertain the fans. It's it's <laughs> it's a sport. It's not like – it's not homework. Yeah. You don't just sit there and do nothing. Like they win every fucking home game. Obviously, it's some extra motivation for them. Why can't you just enjoy what they're doing on the ice? 
He's not the thing that bothers me is he's not even like supporting this underdog story. He's like, oh yeah, we saw it last year with Vegas. Uh, nothing new. Uh. Like, and they're playing the Bruins. It's a hundred times oh, worse now. Oh. Now it's like, my shot, that's the way to go. <laughs> it's <a laughs> this is Chara's in a beat, Aho, and he's gonna score. Let's go, game winner. Let's go. <laughs> he loves DeBrusque. Oh, eh? Holy crap, he loves him. What do you think of uh, last night, Bukowskis? There, you, you see what he said to Marshawn after the game. He was mad. No. He's like, he's like, oh, um, Marshawn, I heard uh, when you stepped on Atkinson's stick. Um, did you sharpen, sharpen your skates before the game? He looks at him. He's like, I'm a hockey player. I do that sometimes. And he just walked away. And then he just walked away. I was like, Bukowskis oh. is gonna get a nasty email. <laughs> Pro- probably. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I want Carolina to win. But I don't think they will. I'm going to stick with Boston-St. Louis final. I've been saying that for like two weeks now. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay, I got the Blues and I uh, guess I got to go Boston here. <laughs> yeah, damn it. I hope it's so much closer than people think, though. I'd love to see Bruins and Blues go seven. be yeah, great. I'd like to see the Bruins go home. I don't want to see them <laughs> go seven. Yeah, go home, man. That's what I want to see. I want to see uh, Carolina and San Jose. <laughs> That'd be so weird. <laughs> Just, I want to see Joe Thornton finally win the cup for once. Because that guy. I'm telling you like, right now, if Carolina faces San Jose, Carolina is winning that series. Because oh Joe God. Thornton and Logan Couture are going to look across the ice and they're going to see who? The guy that always ruins him, yeah. Justin Williams. He's going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I missed you. He'll be like, hey. Look who's here. Look who it is. Your kryptonite right here. And guess what I have? The C. You know what it stands for? Cup. Fuck you. <laughs> He's going to flash his Stanley Cup rings at him. He's like, hey, Joe, do you got one of these? Hey, Joe, I don't think you have one. And you've been in the league like a decade longer than I have. Yeah, no. That'd be weird. Carolina and San Jose. And if they lose, Mass no, is getting a chirp. Oh, <laughs> You can't even be Carolina? Like Come San on. San Jose would be in <laughs> panic mode. All the guys that Burns assigned until he's like 42. It's already 35. Yeah, like this crazy. The craziest thing with this team is Ajo's RFA. So what the hell are you paying him (laughs) if you win the cup with this core here? He's going to ask for like 13. At least 10. He'll manage 10. I think even if they get killed in four next round, he's getting at least like nine. Yeah, at least. (laughs) And like what are – like they even have guys like Nikas coming up. Haven't even Sveshnikov there. Jake Bean's coming. Martin Nikas is good. He's good. He's very good. (laughs) He's a center too. He'll take over Stahl's spot eventually when he leaves. And make up for uh, Julian Gauthier because I haven't heard his name since the World Juniors. He's not been that good. (laughs) He's not like Freddie the Goat. Oh, yeah. Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but Jake Jake Bean is, he's finally kind of coming around now. Same with Hayden Fleury. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while, but he yeah. is coming around. But he's not seventh overall worthy. They got some players there. I remember the World Juniors. Everyone's like, oh, Hayden Fleury is like the next big thing. Took a while from Yeah, then a team, then fucking Boston takes Pasternak, like 20-something. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right, on that uh, positive note of Boston, let's go to another train wreck of a team in Edmonton. Oh. We got Ken Holland to fix all their messes. And they got rid of Hitchcock. Uh, <laughs> so what do you think they do now? I don't I don't have words, man. I, I thought that – what's the – was it Keith – what's his name? Uh, Gretzky's – Oh, Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky. I thought he would be the perfect replacement. Just groom him to be the next GM. No pressure. This team has no direction right now. 
you take the oldest exec, one of the oldest executives in the league. Like I love, I love Holland. I love him. What he's done, but his mindset is so old, so old school. <laughs> this team, I'm telling you right now, Ken Holland. This team is going nowhere. Big mistake. I don't think it was the right move at all. Are we thinking blockbuster trade here? Milan Lusik, get him out of there. That's what you were telling me. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I think uh, Lusik to Vancouver is going to Here's the funny thing. Gonna Who's going to take that contract? Probably the Canucks. You do whatever you can because <laughs> there's still like four or five years left. The guy can't fucking skate. He put up, what, five goals this year? All he because of that, that like Boston connection with the GM. Oh, I got to bring Lusik in to be with McDavid. And they can't. They already have that Bacchus contract. No. They can't bring him loose again. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, my dad yesterday is praising Bacchus. I'm looking at him. I'm like, Dad, he sucks. He's getting paid, like, six mil. Like, he's <laughs> awful. What do you mean he's awful? He's lo- He's got the leadership. He's, uh, you know, he goes in the cars. I'm like, Dad, he could barely skate. He could barely skate. Like, he's like, yeah, I know he's not the same Bacchus from the Blues. I'm like, no, not even close. Like, the different player. Like, not... He's like, yeah, it's okay. We have Pasternak. That's where it should have started. He's not the same player from the Blues. End of conversation. <laughs> like the Milan Lucic is not the same guy on the Bruins. End of conversation. You Nathan Horton is no, in a wheelchair. Not, yeah. End of, not, discussion. end of discussion. Like, where do you go with them? Like, who do you target to come fix that mess? Like, Honestly, it's getting to the point where I, I literally feel for McDavid. Yeah. Like, I literally look at him, and it's like, you're getting – I don't care how many points you get a year. You're not – winning at all you're not winning anything and the fact the fact that they made the playoffs that year and they blew the whole series in what two like three minutes they pulled up they pulled the leafs against the ducks that year you remember that Corey perry got the ot winner and i was like wow edmonton just fucking lost it is that the closest they're gonna get for another five years they need they need oh my god man i i can't even start with that team they need another winger they should never trade a taylor hall that was their winger (laughs) <laughs> um, Jordan Eberle is out there. Uh, Nuge, I love. I still think they should trade Nuge. They need. I think. Him. I think they need to trade Nuge now, um, because Nuge, I love him. Not the first overall pick yeah. that a lot of people wanted, but he could still put up sixty points, and he's a pretty underrated two-way player. So you could still get a top four, maybe not top four D, but you could get a you could maybe get a promising D for him. But yeah, they need they have a lot of shit to do. I mean, like they got Larson, he's not doing a lot. Clefbaum, I've said for two years, this guy would get fifty points, hasn't done it yet. Um, Evan Bouchard hopefully makes the team next year and he he makes a splash somehow, kind of like how like these D like Provorov and Morensky have as as rookies. They come in and they flat out make your D better. So maybe Bouchard could do that, but. They need. They need. They also need a goalie too. Koskinen is not their answer, and Shirelli thought that was a good idea to sign him two or three more years. I think they're going to target Phil the Thrill, Pittsburgh, partner him up with McDavid. They're going to get like 90 points a year on that top line, and everyone else, good luck. What would they have to trade call me crazy? <laughs> yeah. I think they need to get rid of Chris Russell's contract. I think they need to get rid of Nugent Hopkins, and I think they need to try their best. And I know this is a this is a reach. They need to try their best to sign Artemi Panarin this offseason. They need to go all in for that guy. I don't think he wants anything to do with that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Ah, uh, I know. I think you'd rather go to Vancouver than go to Edmonton. Vancouver is like... They made some strides this year. Yeah. Even They're good. They're good. Close, but yeah, they got a lot of gamers there. They have Quinn Hughes. Yolevi, I know he's kind of in that bust. 
talk, but Quinn Hughes is far from that. So. And they have Patterson. Patterson's a be- – oh, my God. That guy should have gone first. I think Horvat will be their captain in time. Yeah. Yeah. Besser. Won't be, won't be a <laughs> captain, but Besser, yeah, he's gross. He'll get 35 every year. Like they have a dynamic core over there and – after what Edmonton, they even have Demko and yeah. DiPietro and that. See, they got yeah. it locked in there. What everything that Edmonton said that they were gonna be, and the Canucks just you know, fading in the back scene and then just fucking took over. And now they have one of the best prospect pools. And you know who else? Who else does? We were laughing maybe two years ago. The Rangers they have a great yeah, prospect pool a long now. Ways away, they yeah. are. They still are a long ways, but their prospects they're they're impressive. They're not. You can't say they don't have anyone now. They're good. Don't they have the what the second pick this year too? They have Cap- They're going to get Capocaco, who's going to play next year. Um, they have Kraftsoff, who they drafted, who I thought was a reach, but he's been amazing. Lias Anderson's good. Chidel's already NHL ready, so they have forwards that are coming quickly. They also got yeah. Brett Howden from the that Mesnikov trade. They got a uh, D'Angelo too. He's a couple years pro now. But uh, you know, oh yeah, up, Tony D, yeah, the D, yeah. He put up thirty points this year, and you know he's he's yeah. he's progressing. A lot of people think he'd be a straight offensive guy, and then he wouldn't really make it here. But you know, that's another guy they got. Speaking of the draft, Colorado with that fourth pick, do you trade that to go get like a big name or like on your defense or something, or do you keep it for next year? If I'm them, I stick to the process. I don't want to be like, oh, okay, we made the playoffs when we made it this far. That means we have to trade our futures and we have to do it now. Because, yeah. like, McKinnon's still 23, Brantonen's 22, Linus Cog's fucking 25. Seems like he's been around for a decade. Yeah, that's crazy. He's only 25. So I'm taking whoever, Cousins, uh, whoever's at that point there. And, you know, just, just keep building. They're doing all the right things so far. I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if I'd keep that pick if I'm Colorado. Because you got. <laughs> So many centermen, and like you got Comfort, you got Jost, you got Kerfoot, you got McKinnon, and now you're gonna add another centerman that's in the top five. Like they could take a winger, yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, if they okay, let's say they draft the Russian guy, that's the right winger, Pod Colson or whatever his name is. I mean, he's probably not pro ready, and uh, I don't know. Like I feel like they're in a spot where they could trade it, but at the same time. Like, I'd love to see them trade it just to troll Ottawa even more. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we, didn't, we never really needed the fourth pick. You needed it, so we're not going to give it to you. But if they do draft, like, Kirby Doc or Cous- or Cozens or whatever his name is, I, I, wouldn't see, I wouldn't mind seeing them trade down to, like, eighth or ninth and getting a D because they, they don't need another forward. They don't need another centerman, at least not now. So if they draft a centerman, maybe they'll take like a like a project type prospect, like a like a Doc or a, a Cozens. It's like, oh yeah, you'll we don't have room for you like in like like now, but maybe three years, maybe we will. So unless they trade Kerfoot this offseason, and it's like we'll take Cozens and you'll just be our second center right away. So I don't know. It's tough with uh, with that team, and they have to sign Rantanen, and they will. That's not a problem. So yeah, I feel like Kerfoot would be the odd guy out. He would, yeah, because Comfer is a very good two way player, and uh, Jost is Jost is looking better now. He's just a hockey player. Yeah, like he's put up like twenty thirty points the last couple of years, but he does all the right things, and I think it's just a matter of time before he breaks through. I think it's the playing time. That's why he doesn't put up enough. Yeah, he he plays like 12 minutes a night. He doesn't play any uh, special teams, I don't think. So he just goes out there and he just 
tries to contribute as much as he can. That's basically what you do. He's a hockey player. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I think Kerfoot, you know, what I just said, he would be like the odd guy He's out. a great player, but yeah, out of all those guys, he would have to be the guy that would have to go. But again, like, it's tough with that team because Kerfoot is not getting paid a lot, and there's a, a lot of other teams that are like probably looking at a Kerfoot and saying, oh, I'd pay him like five mil. He's looking like a like a second-line centerman. But then you have guys like McKinnon, and you have guys like Landis Cog, and you, got, you have guys like Ranton, and then when McCarr is up, and you have all these guys you have to sign, you know, eventually you're going to have to look at maybe a Tyson Joseph and be like, sorry, man, can't afford you. We have to let you go. So, like, that's what I mean with this draft process. Like, you could draft as many forwards as you want, but at the end of the day, you, like, if you can't afford all of them, they look at Toronto. Yeah. They were no. shit for five years. They got all the guys, and now it's like, now we're in a predicament. You guys are all good. We can't keep all of you. So I feel like I feel like Colorado's going to get in that at some point, just like how Tampa Bay and the Leafs and the Blue Jackets, they're all kind of seeing that now. Just it's a matter of time before McKinnon's great contract comes up and he asks for 12, 12 mil around that, and then Sackick's going to be like, oh, shit. Where's the money for Makar? Like, like it's all that stuff. So Hockey is a business, and it's fun. Salary cap. It's very fun. Anyways, guys, let's uh, move on to the hardwood. Oh, yeah. uh, How good is Kawhi Leonard? He is looking like LeBron. Not LeBron, sorry. He's looking like MJ from the Chicago Bull days. He, I was looking up stats. He's shooting 90% from free throw, which is what MJ used to do. He's shooting 58% or no, 60% from the floor. That's something MJ would do. And he's shooting 50% from three. That's what MJ did. So... I saw a post, is Kawhi Leonard the best Raptor player of all time? Easily. And I said easily, and everyone's like, oh, what, do you guys know who Vince Carter is? I'm like, he put the Raptors on the map, but there is, you can't, like, he, he's not better than Kawhi Leonard. No. He's not, I'm sorry. The thing that Kawhi does defensively yeah. <laughs> and offensively, yeah. it's just, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And they won game four because of him, because of Kawhi Leonard. Believe it or not, boys, <laughs> four games so far, I've watched them all. Wow. Oh, I am progressing here. But, like, I like a lot of our players, but every time I'm watching, I just, I'm just like, give the ball to the fucking claw. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's the thing, though. Like, they've been doing that for years with DeRozan. That's why I'm like, I'm like, don't just do ISO with Kawhi. I know he's been amazing, but just don't have him shoot every possession because then they'll triple team him and then that's he seems to play off everyone really well though it's not just give it to him and do it yourself like he uses like Lowry hasn't been amazing no but like in game four like he played off him really well and I don't know it just seems to fit uh that's my biggest concern is if he leaves that fit that we are like that we are seeing is going to be gone and we are going to be uh I don't know I don't really want to even go down that road but Siakam's a star um Van Fleet's he's a good bench point guard yeah. I wouldn't say he's a starter a lot of people are fending for him saying he's a starting point I don't, I don't see it I don't see it but I mean that's my opinion so I'm just trying to picture if OG was here right now yeah I think he's I a mean wild, like he's a wild card there I think if, if o- I think if OG was playing you could have him guard like a Jimmy Butler or, or a Ben Simmons Ben Simmons is already not doing anything. And if we have him covering Ben Simmons, that guy's not going to put up anything. He's going to put up like eight points a game. Wasn't OG covering LeBron last yeah. year? And he did yeah. an amazing job. And he did, a, he did a great job, yeah. And then in the fourth quarter, for some reason, they would put Ibaka on LeBron. Yeah. 
And that was a fucking disaster. And OG hit that three, I remember, last year. To, uh, it looked like they were going to win the game, that clutch three, and then LeBron scored to yeah, take him out. Stupid bitch. So OG, he's had some big moments already in just one year in the league. And it's just a shame to see this team without OG into it because he would add so much to Kawhi and Siakam. And if they can get him back for next round... Like, this team could, like, a fully rested OG after the surgery and everything at time to, like, heal up. This team can be dangerous. And that could be adding, like, another free agent to the team. I'm not going to lie. Seeing as now I'm looking at it, the Celtics have lost three straight. They were up one nothing. I thought they were going to win. They lose three in a row to, to the Bucks. I think the Raptors have a better matchup against the Bucks than the Celtics. I mean, I know in the regular season we lost, I think, twice to the Celtics. Just flat out because of Kyrie. He had like 35 in both games. And Kyrie in this series has been like you have not seen him the last two games like at all. Like he, I think he, last game he dropped 22, but he went 7 of 22 shooting, which is it's unacceptable. And uh, Giannis last game had 39 points and he's looking like the MVP all year and Kind of like in the other series we're seeing with Harden. Like the last two games he's taken over this series. And I still think the Rockets are going to beat the Warriors. I, I got, Now that they've won two straight, I feel like Houston could take that series. And I think if the Raps can overcome the Sixers, I will still say seven games for the Raps. Um, I think they could go to the finals. And uh, I'm not going to say they could win the title. But if the Rockets can beat the Warriors, I think it's anyone's at that point to win. Yeah, you put uh, Kawhi on Harden. I think that matchup a lot better than Kawhi on the entire Golden State Warriors lineup. So I kind of hope it's Houston, Toronto in the final. The thing, the thing with with the Raps and the Warriors is Kawhi would right away he he would have to guard KD. Yeah. Like he'd Easily. have to, and then you have the mismatch with Clay and Danny Green, and Clay is also unreal. So like I don't I don't want to face the Warriors. That's just you were telling me the other day about the like Paul's not even. Hasn't even been himself recently. Like, Paul Paul is taking now a role where, like, he's the secondary... He knows he's the secondary option, but he's not scoring. Like, he's he's putting up, like, 15, getting, like, seven assists. But, like, he's not doing as much as I want him to. And Clint Capella's been a monster. And Eric Gordon is heating up, too. So if you're the Raps and you look at that and the Rockets happen to get by Golden State, are you a little bit more motivated now? I mean, yeah, I think that's every team, right? Like, the basically, the, the dynasty is eliminated. It's like, okay, now we could kind of breathe a little bit. Like, we don't have to go into the – we don't have to go to these press conferences and they're saying, oh, it, this is a big hill to climb. You're taking on the Warriors. Do you guys see yourself winning a game? Like, because there's, there's, <laughs> there's people that actually ask those questions to, like, these athletes. Like, do you think you could win a game? Like, you're facing the Warriors. It's like, oh, no, not really. It's like, no, I don't believe in myself at all. We're just going to pack like, no, I mean, yeah, I think KD, if if this guy, like, if they lose, if KD and the Warriors lose and the Raps win and let's say the Bucks win, if I'm Giannis and K, if I'm if I'm Giannis and Kawhi and Harden, like, I'm like, I'm I'm going all in for this moment. It's like, okay, this team has won three, or I don't know how many have they won three in the last five years. Yeah, yeah I think. three in the last five years. It's like this team's finally out. It's my moment now. Like, I want to make history, and Giannis and Harden have never won, so uh, I think that's going to make them like that's going to light something under their ass, and they're going to they're going to ball. And then if I'm KD, 
can come to Toronto after. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because there's no loyalty. So it's like, yeah, I lost to them. I'll go to that team then. Like, He's losing that's again. literally what Durant did. Oh, I didn't beat. I couldn't beat the Warriors. Okay, I'll go there. I'll go there next year. You can't beat them. Join them. That's literally. That's it. Oh, it's like with Davis this year. Before when they when they lost to the Lakers, like, oh, I, we lost to LeBron. He dropped forty. I dropped thirty-eight. But. Imagine if I played with LeBron. I'll just go to the Lakers. Yeah. So. Our agents will hook us up. I'll say I'll say Raps Rockets final. I like it. That's my prediction. That's a good matchup for the Raptors. And I'll say Raps in seven games. They so win good. it all. <laughs> Knocked on wood there, It'll guys. Good. We're good. Kawhi, guys, Kawhi's got this. We got it. Vanilla, any predictions on that one? I'm going to go Raps and Warriors. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> He's going to say Warriors in five. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Kawhi going to the final, and uh, we'll see what happens there in the West. But it's either going to be Golden State or Houston, Portland, and uh, Denver. I'm Love sorry. them, but... They don't got a chance no. in hell. No. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that yeah, series, but like, whatever. They're well jo- playing good. Jokic is a top 10 player in the league now. So You, you see he's putting up triple doubles yeah. every game now. It's, it's like, player. oh, the last person to get a triple-double in the playoffs was LeBron two years ago. It's like, what? No one's put up a triple-double the last <laughs> year in the playoffs? It's like, no. And then you see Jokic every game, man, triple-double. It's like, oh. And Jamal Murray. And he's a center, man. Canadian kid. Gross. Better than Andrew Wiggins. That's <laughs> that is a great statement. Yes. I agree with you there. Andrew Wiggins. But just wait. Learn from him. Just wait for R.J. Barrett. Just oh, yeah, wait. He's, he's going to be better than both of them. Yeah. He's the next Canadian, Paul George. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go to the ring now. Oh, yeah. Okay, so where do we start with this on Monday? <laughs> Superstar shakeup happened uh, a couple weeks ago. Sure. Yeah, so we know. And uh, now Vince McMahon started Raw with the wild card rule. So three guys that started can go to SmackDown. Three guys from SmackDown can go to Raw. And he said he was a genius. So, huh? Which about this rule? So close to superstar shakeup. What goes through your head when you hear stuff like that? He's lost it, and I've been hearing this for years. And now, the more that I see it, I believe it. You're doing a superstar shakeup, and yeah, okay, we'll have our biggest acquisition in SmackDown history. Just come right back to Raw the next week. <laughs> what the hell does that do for like for the organization and the build of storylines on? certain brands you're building a storyline from smackdown on another show how does that make smackdown look when on the show tonight what's it gonna look like is this gonna be on smackdown again because this is the main this is the top priority on smackdown right these three guys kofi roman and brian are the big three on smackdown well don't forget about shane oh oh (laughs) he's a big on both brands oh god not enough shane to go around i also love seeing daniel bryan back in the ring i love it yeah, the first thing that goes through my mind him. is, uh, the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> the only thing I can think of is uh, if, like, they're going to get rid of the brand split. You have like to they, You have to now. But they keep promoting it every week, like Raw to SmackDown and SmackDown to Raw and wild card bullshit. And, like, <laughs> am I going to see Seth Rollins stomp someone's face in tonight on SmackDown? That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Like, it's only fair. Like, everyone's jumping back and forth, and I have no idea what they're thinking yeah. with this. If this is just all based because of the Miz and Shane storyline and how, like, they're kind of going back and forth on brands, then that's pathetic. You can't base a whole business off of one storyline. I know I love the Miz and Shane, 
Like, come on, man. What are you doing here? Shane's, Why uh, is Kofi Kingston on Raw? <laughs> like, what? what? WWE champ. I just said two weeks ago I could never see him on Raw in the big spotlight. And here we are in the main event of Raw defending his WWE title. Did you ever see Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar in an Iron Man match on Raw when Triple H and Goldberg are there? Fuck no. Because that's the brand split. <laughs> you have each superstar on each show. Fucking Vince. It's a Damn very it. simple concept. It's very you simple. Don't know why they have to fuck with it. And Seth Rollins, all this time complaining about the Universal title not being the spotlight on Raw, and now he's a Universal champion. It's in the like beginning match, and that's a top priority. It's supposed to be on Raw, and the WWE title, which is SmackDown's main title, is on Raw's main event. So, WWE, I don't know what they're writing. I don't know what Vince McMahon is approving, but this whole wild card rule, not a big fan. It was a colossal waste of time. It was the first 40 minutes of yeah. the show of Vince Roman. Brian and then Kofi coming out. That was 40 minutes it was long. 40, they were just talking and then they were saying nothing. Put a match in there. And that, <laughs> it was just a confusing opening to Raw. And then it just turned out Styles and Rollins coming out. And it's like, yeah, we'll pull our good old... Uh, <laughs> we'll make the tag team match. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what the hell's his name on SmackDown. The Teddy GM, Long. Teddy Long. Oh, yeah. Tag team match. And you're going to face these two in a, Smack, in a tag team match right now. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't see that come. <laughs> and Shane McMahon is in a storyline now with Roman Reigns. So he's facing The Miz. And now he's involved with another top guy on SmackDown and Roman Reigns. With Elias now as his tag team partner. Who was also... I'm not going to lie to you. I think they're winning the tag titles tonight. Yeah. Is he going to award it to himself? Because that was the post. He's like, we're going to give the titles to someone. Not we're going to have a tournament and let have people fight for it. You know, the way it kind of is, like forever. Just not give them the earn your Earn your worth. Like, earn your the, spot. Yeah. the first world champion in history, Triple H. That was fucking oh, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> just here's the title. Eric Bischoff just hands it to him. What does that do? Oh, man. That adds heel heat. That's about it. Nothing else. But like for Shane, like... We're seeing him way too much <laughs> and involved in a gut with uh, guys like Roman and The Miz. Those are high profile guys and it just brings them down. That's and just my opinion. You, Tepaniello was texting me yesterday during this whole thing with The Miz. He's hitting him with chair shots, hard chair shots. And Shane McMahon is just, he's able to get away, get the upper hand on The Miz and. Goes into action hero mode and throws him on the side against the wall. Goes in the car and that's it. The Miz is down. There's like one tiny jab. Oh no, it's over. And then he escapes. <laughs> like he just hit you with a chair five with times. That stupid thing he doesn't. Yeah, why does he do like those like little punches like that? Yeah. You've been in this business for 20 years. Like, do you not know how to like clothesline someone or like properly step and punch? Like, it's a very simple process. Me and Pinello could show you if you want. Like. <laughs> not even in the not even in wrestling come on man <laughs> yeah i know but uh i don't understand why roman even had to go to twitter like eight times yeah be the cup going i'm coming to raw i'm coming to raw okay shut shut up we get it you're gonna come to raw now you're gonna ruin the opening segment like there's no surprise anymore he said nothing he, had, uh, he said he had business unfinished business to attend to yeah which he never got to announce i guess it was with vince that was the unfinished yeah. business. But I was thinking I like, don't know. he had the match with Drew, 
But like you beat him at Mania. Yeah. Wasn't that business kind of taken care of if that was the case? And Vince you know, you know, both those matches were promoted before the show too. You said you didn't watch the show, right? Just no, but like I saw before, like when I was on Instagram, it's like, oh, there are two WrestleMania match, like rematches tonight. And I'm like, why? Why are you telling me this now? You know when they fucking, they promote like every five minutes, like, oh, in case you're tuning in, this is happening. Oh, yeah. It that seemed was- like this week it was like way more than usual. I felt like I heard it 30 times last night. It's like if you didn't hear what was happening in the last segment, we'll tell you again. We'll show you the whole segment again, and then we'll tell you exactly what's going to happen next. And we'll show you the promo back from <laughs> WrestleMania. Like we, like we get like... Like, we get that you had Kofi versus Brian and you had Roman versus Drew, but you can't be before the show saying, oh, we have two WrestleMania rematches. Yeah. Oh, Roman's kicking off the show. It's like there's three segments right there where I know what's happening. Yeah. Like, is this a live show or is this pre – like, what What am I – like, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like I'm just going to go on and I know what's happening already. If you just and I hate me, that. It's annoying. I hate that. You just gave me everything that I'm going to see the next few hours if I don't want to watch it. I'm going to tune out. And Why do you think fault. the viewership is so low? Yeah. <laughs> Roman Reigns is kicking off Raw. Oh. Well, if I don't like Roman Reigns, I'm not going to watch Raw. <laughs> if I don't care for Roman and Drew, I'm not going to watch that 30-minute segment. If I don't like Vince, I'm just not going to watch the show. Like This shit with Shane, too, it makes no sense. The fact that he's on both shows all the time, it's like you are 50 years old. You don't have a great resume. You're Vince's son. That just automatically makes me dislike you even more. Yes, you had a match with Undertaker four years ago. We Okay, three years ago. We appreciated that. But after that, you fuck off and you don't come back. And he's been here every year. The fact that he's had Mania matches with The Miz, AJ Styles, and The Undertaker makes my blood boil, man. Owens and Zayn, too. Oh, oh yeah. Daniel Bryan's return to the ring after three years off. Like I'm even looking at this show. I like I like like you guys are all heard right. I did not watch this show. I was at work. I'm looking at this now. Basically, looks like talking for the first hour and a half, and then you have a tag team match with Corbin and Lashley. We've seen that tag team the last six months now. <laughs> Fucking annoying. Just give them the tag titles at this point. And then what? What else was next? Oh, the only surprising factor in this whole show was Sa- is Sami Zayn coming out every week because. I don't fucking know. I don't hear enough about him. Thank God. I love when he comes out and he bashes the fans. That's fun. But guess what? He's now in a meaningful, a meaningless feud with Braun Strowman. Have we seen this before? Yeah. Yes, we have. With a guy named Kevin Owens. And where was he after that feud? Nowhere. We so, also, uh, like, what's going to happen now with this feud? How long ago was it when Zayn and Strowman feuded? Like, October, no? Zero. Right before he got injured. So, like, yeah, we all love Sami Zayn. I know you're a big Strowman guy, but the second his music hit, I'm like, how the fuck is Sammy going to get the better of him now? Like, no. this guy's arguably been the hottest guy in the company, Sammy, with his promos. And then you're just going to feed him to the fucking career killer over here, who's then going to be in a directionalist path the, after. The only thing I like about this program is you have a top heel that needs something and a top face that needs something going at it. If Braun just buries him here, then I will be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know that you have to case. move Strowman to you have to move Strowman to SmackDown. That was I thought that was for sure happening, and it didn't. They 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 fucked up and they put Roman there. Love Roman. I think he's he's a raw guy. I don't think he should on SmackDown. Whatever. Not, like 
I know you you I want to see though Sammy actually have a program with Strowman, but I know you're looking at that on paper. It's like wh- where? How is that going to work? It's not. So I hope this was just a one-off thing, but I know it won't be. So not looking forward to that feud either. But uh, yeah, then of course it's always great when you watch a show and you see two people just take on random ass people, jobbers they call it, on a net like random opponents. Like, yeah, why don't I call up Vince McMahon one day and be like, hey, can I face the Lucha House Party? I want to face them. It's in Toronto. Why don't I just, me and Piniella, we'll face them. Like, why not? We'll go do it. Like, why did they, they did that in basically two of three segments. So they did Lucha House Party beats randoms. Okay, yeah, let's put Ricochet and Robert Roode in there. That's a good match. And then we'll do Lacey Evans taking on some random bitch. And And we'll see how that, we'll see how that works. Like why? Why? What's the point of those two segments? The Lucha House Party. I really don't understand that one because for the longest time they've been used as the enhancement talent. Yeah. But now like they have other people putting them over. Like unless there's a big push in line for them, which I really don't see. I don't understand that one. Yeah. And Lacey Evans. Like you need two matches to do that. You can't just do one on the card. You have to have two. Like, what am I watching? Am I watching, like, an infomercial of WWE? Like, this is how a match goes in the WWE. Or, like, is this supposed to lead to something? Like, at least the Lacey one kind of, it ended with, like, Becky coming out. And, like, they fought a bit. But, like, with the Lucha House Party, yeah. that's just a big, like, you're scratching break. your head for literally, like, t- like yeah. 10 minutes. You're like, what, what, what was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, literally. Like, even the, the, the Viking Raiders and, the, like, Zack Ryder, like, these are your tag champs. Really? Just give the Viking Raiders the titles right now. Here, take them. Like, throughout, it was like a five-minute match. They put up some fight, but, like, you just knew, like, they're going to get their shots in, but they're going to kill them at the end, and Ivar and Eric are going to win. <laughs> Is it safe to say they're, they're the tag champs? Yeah. They're winning them. Like, got money in the bank. It's over. I hope it's done. I yeah. mean, like... <laughs> On the pre-show. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the rest of the show, to yeah, be honest. Like, <laughs> it was bad. You know, we got to talk about the Usos and the Revival. Oh, my God. You started it, Pinello. You know my thoughts on the Revival. I think they're one of the best tag teams ever. Okay. Forget now. Ever. ever. <laughs> okay? And, like, they're these old school wrestlers, and you know what? They're very believable on the mic. They can cut a promo. They can do anything you want. And you saw last week they tried to embarrass them with the fucking shaving their back which is a basic thing people do if you have back hair. I don't know why that would be embarrassing to anyone. And then they get a fucking, they get a deal out of it. Remember uh, on Twitter, like yeah. they sent them, the, <laughs> what the hell was it? I can't think of it now. So that, like a cream? Oh, I don't know if it was a clipper thing or that. Was it like a trimmer? Yeah, yeah. like one. So they got like friends. a shaving yeah. package? Yeah, yeah, they got a dealer. <laughs> I can't think of it now. And then the next week they try to embarrass them more. With like the Usi, whatever the hell it was called, and they have them rubbing their ass on the ring and on the ramp for through like five minutes, and the crowd's just sitting there, just like, what are you guys doing? You have the Usos and the Revival. Put them in the ring and have a match. What the fuck is all this extra bullshit? <laughs> like this isn't helping anyone because when the Revival leave, because you know they're gonna fucking leave. Well, they're I gonna thought be amazing elsewhere. I thought they would have left already. If I'm the revival after this episode, I'm walking out. I'm literally looking at me like, this is what you have for me. I'm leaving. Well, they're signed till 2020. Then they can't get rid of their deal. 
And so they're basically going to Neville them, with like kind of like what they're doing with Luke Harper now. Because everyone that asks for their release, they just freeze their contracts, yeah. which is just like it's the world of wrestling. It's good that there's competition out there. I don't know why you have to treat people the way they're being treated. Like the revival are unbelievable. Yeah, I think they're amazing, and like it's it's just a shame. It's I'm looking at this feud, and like I'm looking at what the program's all about, and like I literally can't put into words my anger. Like, I can't. Like, I look at that, and I'm like, if this is what you're going to give me, like, I literally would leave. Like, I'd leave. I'd be like, do you know who I am? Do you know how hard I've worked? Like, okay, the Usos maybe, like, you can kind of take a back seat. They've been around, but, like, the Revival, man. Come on. They're one of the best NXT tag teams. They put on solid matches every single night down there. Yes, you could say it's NXT. You get more time, you know, less bullshit, whatever, but still – they're putting on great matches. They put on an outstanding match at WrestleMania with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Out, like I thought that was amazing. And now they're taking on two unreal tag teams. Probably the two best tag teams that I've seen in a long time. The way that they got positioned, organized, you know, made their way to the top. The Usos, to me, one of the best tag teams I've ever seen. You have the Revival, who are supposed to be tag team of the future and the tag team of this division. And Usi hot on your ass and you're rubbing like like what the fuck are you doing man you already had two waste segments and Lacey Evans and Kalisto and the Lucha I don't even know why they're on TV the Lucha House and Party and Sullivan beating up the Conca line and no way Jose that I appreciate because like again like they're trying to make him a, a monster but it's another smack like like you have right you now. have the opening <laughs> segment which was a complete waste of time you have this that was a waste of time and a waste like a, a flat-out embarrassment for both tag teams. Basically, look at their resumes, cancel out all of that just for this segment. It's like you're a laughing stock right now. If I'm not a if I'm not a hardcore wrestling fan and I see that, I'm like, who the hell are these idiots? What are they doing? No, like literally, <laughs> like if I'm not watching wrestling and I don't know who the revival are, let's say I'm in a room with Pinello, I'll be like, who the fuck are these idiots rubbing their asses? Are these guys even good wrestlers? And then that's where he would go off and be like, yeah, they're the best tag team, and I don't know what the fuck they're doing here. <laughs> so it's 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 shows like this that make you wonder and make you finally realize that, oh, this is why the viewership is fucking low as shit. Yeah. And you know what? You have to go back to two hours, but they're going the wrong direction. They're going to have Fox make SmackDown go three hours. Okay. So like, what the fuck are you doing? Focus less on the bullshit and focus more on the wrestling. That's why companies like AEW and TNA, TNA, and mind you, they're doing a fucking great job. I thought they'd be in the shitter now, but they're actually they're uh, not doing that bad. But uh, located here in Toronto, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh it's crazy, man. Like this show was fucking awful, and I didn't even watch it. Imagine I watched it. You know what? It's, it's it just looks aw- Okay, the main event looks good. But that's SmackDown. That's yeah. not Raw. <laughs> the way that this program's been going, if you didn't watch for about a month and then you tuned in the next Monday, you would, have you no would know exactly where you'd left off. Because, like, nothing's changing. Same, same stuff every week. Copy-paste. In uh, Driver, Squash Match, uh, half an hour promo with the McMahon, insert whatever name in front, and that's it. Okay, well, like, we could talk about that forever. But, like, let's just talk about Money in the Banks now. Um, I, I want to make this. I want to cry after that. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Can they just like click restart on uh, the tag division on Raw? Like just 
click restart. Like, you know, like after Mania, it's like, fucking yeah. button. There's a button, just restart it. Revival, you're going to face them, this, that, no fucking oozy hot, none of that shit. You're going to be here, you're going to be here. Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, love you, but fuck off. You're nowhere, get out of here. You have the Usos and the Revival. That's your fucking tag team for, that's your tag team feud for what, like four months? Kind of like what we saw with the Usos in the New Day. Why can't they go back to that formula? We see how many times people go back to old formulas, you know. You have the bat you have, I don't know, the authority figure taking on the, the baby face. We've seen that numerous, 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 numerous times. Why can't you go back and have Usos versus the revival four months? Winner gets a tag team title opportunity. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we saw for months the Usos in the New Day. And yeah, some people would say, Oh, it's getting repetitive, but name me one bad match they had at a pay-per-view. Like name mm-hmm. me one. I I can't give you one. So why can't you have the Usos and the Revival go at it for the Raw titles for four months? Rekindle that magic. Yeah. Like, fuck, <laughs> man. The Usos are amazing. Even on the mic, they're amazing. Revival. Scott Dawson, that guy's a character. I love him. Damn it. Okay, let's talk about Money in the Bank winners. Since <laughs> um, Money in the Bank is next week, I want to give you guys top five best, top five worst. And we'll kind of do this as a team effort. So, Pags, I'll start with you. What are your top five worst Money in the Bank winners? Okay, well, we kind of discussed it before. Jack Swagger comes to mind. Oof. He wanted that fucking clusterfuck at 20 to 26 Mania. That was the, was that the biggest Money in the Bank? Like the most participants? Like 10 or something? Yeah, 10 people in that. Too many. Uh, Too many. He he cashed it in on the SmackDown the week of, back when they were, it was on the, what was it, the Friday at the time? Yeah. And it was still taped, and everyone knew fucking three days before. That was when SmackDown was... And the world title, you remember at the time, it was it was like the third or fourth title. <laughs> I'd say I'd say maybe the third. Didn't really get the time of day. That was probably the highlight of his career, but like... I don't know, Swagger comes to mind for me. Yeah, Kane. Yeah. Kane was the worst for you? Because he cashed it in so soon, like... I didn't even see why he needed to win it. Could have just... Had a feud with whoever, like Undertaker, Mysterio, like. They had a nice thing going with Ray. Yeah, and then, and then they just him. rushed it, and the night of, it was that was a waste, especially for a guy who didn't really need it. He was a big star already. For me, the worst, it's probably Sandow. I love him. I love the character, but like everything that he did, it made no sense. Like there were a lot of. I remember telling Pinello when uh, that match happened. There were like three others that I thought would win. Like you had Barrett in that. You had Ziggler in that. He just won, but like maybe the back-to-back, you never know. You had Ziggler in that, and you even had Cody Rhodes in that. And I thought Rhodes was winning that. And they gave it to Sandow. And then for some reason, Sandow cashes in before, and that's a face thing to do. But he wasn't a face, and then he lost. So it's like, where? what was that? Just you just that, got fed to Cena. Like, what was that for? The fact that it was on Cena, we all knew, like, okay, like he's... Not gonna win. Yeah. Why would they make a star out of him? That makes too much sense. <laughs> and there's a story to that too, because uh, WWE told them the day of you're gonna cash in tonight, and they were going up against NBA playoffs. So they decided, why push this guy and make him a star? Let's just make Cena win. There was no plan for his character after that. We all saw what happened. It's, it's unfortunate. It's just because they were uh, there was a hot streak there for Money in the Banks for me. 2011 was fantastic. You had Brian win, which was the right person. You had okay, Del Rio won, but like that was again. I think I'd put that in one of my worst as well. When you look at 
like winners because he got handed everything. Yeah. He he came in at WWE and he literally got handed everything. Try to make him like Eddie Guerrero. His first his first feud was with Ray, I think, on SmackDown. He beat him. Put Ray put him over. And then he won the Royal Rumble right after that. The 40-man yeah. Royal Rumble. 40-man <laughs> Royal Rumble. He, he won that. And then he... I don't think he... Oh, yeah. He faced Edge at WrestleMania. I thought he would actually win that, and he didn't. I was happy. That ended up being Edge's last match. Yeah. <laughs> sad. And then you had him fucking take out Punk and win the belt. And then he literally lost it to John Cena a month later. And that made no sense at all. Like, at all. I was like, what? Wait, what? Like, the real just cashed it on Punk. You ruined all of Punk's momentum. Now Punk's feuding with Triple H. And then you just have Del Rio lose it to Cena at Night of Champions just so you could say Cena's a 10-time champion. Okay. I think Cena's had a lot of those, though. A couple week range. It's just here. one of those where, like, you, lo- you ruin Punk's whole summer just so you could have Cena win the 10th title. And it's against Del Rio. Like, you like, knew come it was on, coming, come yeah. on. <laughs> God damn it. You couldn't wait on And he was a multiple-time champion, too, Del Rio. Like, he, like that's a guy where when people say, oh, I don't get any opportunities in WWE, he's got too many opportunities. Like, you look at his resume, it's pretty full. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, okay. And then you see how much money did this guy draw? Like, how over was he? <laughs> Came all the different car, like JBL. Where do they go from there? He ends up getting fired, goes to Impact, goes around the world. <laughs> Still nobody, now they say he wants to go back to WWE. I don't think they want him back. And what a career. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, even when Corbin won, I thought that I would put that as one of the best. Because I thought for sure when he won that he would be a star in the making. I'm like, this guy won the Battle Royal earlier in the year. Now he won the Money in the Bank. Like, this guy, he's a star. And then he cashed in on Jinder Mahal and lost. So I was like, what, what, what happened? Because of the outside interruption by... John Cena. No, John Cena. There's a theme here. He <laughs> seems to be uh, putting the pause button on a lot of pushes going on. You know who? Al- you know who else is also one of the worst Money in the Bank winners? John Cena. Yes. Ooh. That yeah. was awful. That was a waste. Yeah. Well, he really of- couldn't give that to anyone else. Who was in that match? Cena, Jericho, Orton, Big Show. Oh it was like the all- Money in the Bank All Stars. I the Miz came back that night, and I think so. I think so. <laughs> He could have given it to The Miz that night, wasn't who needed a push again. Wasn't Bray in that match, too? He was. I think I would have given it to Bray then. Yeah. I'm like, how do you, how do you have a fucking Money in the Bank Wasn't Punk in that? When Heyman turned on him? Yes. Yeah. And they gave it to Cena. <laughs> they gave it to Cena. Guys. Oh, my God. Like, you have all these fucking 300-pound guys. It's John Cena. Ladder. It's John Cena. <laughs> like, yeah. So we basically mentioned the worst ones. Now, what are your best? Here we go. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine, mine. You gonna, could, you, you'll start. You'll start. I'm gonna save this one for you. So for me, I got Dolph Ziggler as one of my favorite cash-ins. Oh yeah. Because there was when he won, it was a sense of relief because it was like fucking finally, this guy <laughs> is a star, and they're finally going with him. And he had the briefcase for such a long time. Um, an emotional cash-in on Del Rio. Oh. Fine. We won't Red talk, Hawk crowd. We yeah. will not talk about the rain after. But when he won the title, it was like, finally, they're finally going in with this guy. And it was just such a moment. If I had to like look, go on about after, I'd say it's one of like the more depressing like outcomes in recent memory. Like he had the crowd. Like I've never heard that crowd that loud before. When they when he won the belt. 
the like I have goosebumps right now. The crowd was loud and like he was yelling and AJ and Biggie were like celebrating with him. And I thought I thought at the time I'm like, is this like a baby face turn right here? Like he, like everyone's cheering for him. And then he got the concussion and then it just we got treated to the double turn at payback and Del Rio won. And I'm like, wow. Like this <laughs> this really like there's a lot a lot of moments for me when I watch wrestling and like my heart is just like like it's empty but that was a moment where I'm like like what now what like what the fuck happens with this guy and then we clearly saw that they teased him for so long after that too and couldn't like never got that chance just like the same year with Christian at that SummerSlam they teased us with that and he did not win he actually tapped out in the middle of the ring Del Rio, I forgot he tapped. Yeah, that that pissed me off. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, you give this whole pro promo the last, like, what, give me one more match and you tap out. <laughs> Come on, man. At least Enziguri him whatever yeah. his signature was. I don't, forgot yeah. what Del Rio or did. When like a heel move. But yeah, my favorite. It's obvious what my favorite is. The first ever Money in the Bank winner, Edge. That to me is the. That is the I gotta th- we all gotta thank Chris Jericho. He goes to Vince, says we need to make this happen. Uh, it's a great story for wrestling, everything, and Edge comes out here. And I I swear to God, there was not a flaw in that match. Like if you look back and watch that match, there was not one thing wrong with the whole outcome. You had Kane do his big spots, you had Shelton Benjamin jumping everywhere. That guy to me is one of the best money in the bank participants of all time. Yeah. Shelton. He's he's he did Underrated, everything. He man. um but I don't know. It's just there's a match where I watch it and everything was just perfect. The winner, the result, everything was just perfect. The ending was perfect with Benoit so close, and then Edge just just takes it away from him and wins it. And it I mean, was just Chris from Edmonton. <laughs> it was just perfect. It's a yeah, perfect yeah. feeling, and I just love that match so much. And just the outcome where he actually beat John Cena and got his belt. Fuck John. Stick to that theme of beating John Cena. I'm going to go with Rob Van Dam. Yes. Winning and then cashing in something never been done before. He announced it ahead of time. I'm going to cash it in at money at uh, ECW One Night Stand. The Money in the Bank briefcase is going to be on the line. You have like a month or so to prepare. John Cena goes into ECW's crowd in New York. It's uh, a crowd that really doesn't like him. Throws his shirt back into the ring a few times and Edge comes out. Spears John Cena through the table, RVD hits a frog splash, Paul Heyman counts, and then the celebration afterwards was really good, and RVD, first ECW and WWE champion. Now, like, we've been talking for quite some time now, but I just want to ask one last thing. What was the money in the bank to you guys that, like, made a star, like, made them, like, impact, like, impacted their career the most? Who is that one guy? Because to me, it's Daniel Bryan. He's the guy that, like, I look at Money in the Bank winners and I look at everything that's happened. Daniel Bryan, to me, like, that made his career. That made it just go up right here. I mean, there are a lot of winners when they win. You think this is it for them because there are certain guys that, like, they haven't won a world title, but then they don't seem to get over that hump. Like, I thought for me, one of those, would I thought it'd be Wade Barrett. I thought he'd win a Money in the Bank and I thought he would just start him when he'd be a main eventer. I thought, like, Ziggler, too, I thought... Uh, you know, a Van Dam, <laughs> and then 
but like Brian would be the perfect answer because he was just like mediocrity for so long and then he just exploded through the roof. Like that that money the bank cash in gave him that opportunity to shine and then it actually swerved everyone to go, we'll make you a top heel instead and see how you run with it. And he ran with it and then here he is today. You know what though? Um, it's probably the easiest, probably Edge. Yeah. Because yeah. like everyone knew how, how good he was for so long but when he won the... When you think money in the bank, you think edge. Oh, yeah. And then bona fide Hall of Famer in the main event from there on out. So I think... Goosebumps. Yeah. Maybe gonna, edge for me. I'm going to go with The Miz. Because all those guys... I was going to say The they Miz. They were stars before they won it. Like, a lot of people liked them. They had great careers. Like, RVD was a top guy even when he came into WWE and Edge. Like, all these guys had great careers. And The Miz had the opposite. He comes from reality TV... He's on Fear Factor, tough enough. Every single reality TV like competition you can think of comes in, and people are thinking this guy's a joke. He's not going to last long. Little short stints on ECW wins a few titles, but then that WWE title win after the Money in the Bank where he beats Orton and then goes to WrestleMania, beats John Cena. So all these guys beating up John Cena in the main event, and that's what made him a star, I think, the yeah. most impact. Yeah, I, I, there's like a lot of guys you just look at, and it's like... If you didn't win this, like I don't know where you'd be. And Brian and The Miz are just two names you look at, and it's like, especially The Miz, I agree. If, if he didn't win that Money in the Bank, I don't know what his career would have looked like. Because I remember in 09 when he feuded with Cena, they made Miz look like a joke. Like yeah. It's like you're literally nothing. You're just a step. You're like literally just a little carpet mat. Like He's going to just step over you and keep going. And the Miz didn't stop, and then he beat Orton for the title, and everyone was – I I remember the backlash that got. Everyone was like, like they hated it. They're like, this they're guy, like this guy's not ready. He's this. He's reality show this. And then he made it work, man. Like he got Alex Riley on his side, and he just just made it work. And of course, that main event win against John Cena. I remember watching it live here with my drugged up brother because of his leg. But like, <laughs> I remember how happy I was when the Miz won because I didn't want it to be one of those predictable main events. I thought like, oh, Cena's winning. And then when The Rock came out and Rock bought, I'm like, wait, did The Miz just retain the title? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, but then he lost at the next pay-per-view. Ah, whatever. But that was a moment that I'll never forget. And yeah, The Miz, he's a star. I, I will say it could be because of the money in the bank. Never, we'll, we'll never really know. There's only a couple guys you can say that with. But I just wish Wade Barrett won. Just yeah. wish he did. There's another one of those names. Damn but uh, looking at this pay-per-view... Now that we're talking about these cash-ins and looking at the field right now, like the superstars competing in the men's match, who do you think gets that briefcase? If if we're talking about like the theme here where like it'll make them a name, Andrade has to win it. He's the guy that I'm looking at and it's like we don't know where your resume could go, but if you win the money in the bank, I know for sure you will be headlining SmackDown for the next two years at least. And another guy as well, call me crazy – Ali needs it too. Because uh, Finn Balor's already, like, he, we know what he's yeah. done. Baron Corbin could easily just transition to a top heel. Braun definitely doesn't need it. So there's literally, like, three guys that I look at, and it's Andrade, it's Ali, and um, I don't know. Who's he, who are the others in it? Like, maybe Cesaro. I think, I think I'd maybe give it to Cesaro. I don't know. It's so tough, man. I think Andrade and Ali, like if you're going to build stars, it's that. those it's are the two guys. I think Ricochet too would be another one. But 
what I think they're going to do, don't fucking kill me. Corbin. I think they're going to give it to Corbin. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. No. It's a two-time Money in the Bank winner when, before he comes out. Since you want to be, like, you know, unpredictable, I got a theory for Money in the Bank. Uh-oh. So, you know, WWE, recently, like, their ratings are down, and I'm saying Paul Heyman's coming out. Brock Lesnar is your newest addition to this matchup, but Brock Lesnar's winning the Money in the Bank, and he's going to cash it in on the first SmackDown on Fox. New <laughs> champion. Oh, my God. He just can't right fuck off. <laughs> that would be in October? Yep. And then Brock Lesnar comes in first. Like, you don't see him at SummerSlam because he's not going to come in like, Toronto. He's going to stay in Saskatchewan in the forest. He's going to go. <laughs> in the forest. Brock comes out, F5. You win the first SmackDown on Fox with Brock. Jesus. This guy the... should be a part of creative. <laughs> Is he holding the briefcase hostage too? You're just going to disappear yeah, for six months? you don't months? see it for, like anyway. Shit. <laughs> no, anything but that, please. <laughs> please, anything oh, but Lesnar coming back. I don't oh, want to see that. Actually, you know what? Knowing Vince, he'd have Roman insert himself. He'd be like, screw it. We're scratching the Roman Elias match. They're both inserted in the money to bank. Roman wins. He's over now. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. And then he beats Kofi the same night. Oh, and then he turns heel. Right. And then he's like this. And he has his tongue out. He's like, eh, I'm the fucking man, bitch. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically it for this week, though. I talked a lot. We did. Stay tuned, guys, for Money in the Bank. Our predictions next week where Pinello will not say Baron Corbin. He will say Andrade. Let's get it, guys.